listening to Your Bright Future with Mrs. J and Mr. LD, a Loverage counseling podcast connecting home, school, and family. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Your Bright Future with Mrs. J and Mr. LD. We're excited to be here with you for another podcast. Yeah, as always. I just wanted to address um, something. We've had a couple glitches with our last couple of podcasts, um, and I'm sure it's partly due with me, but partly because of the platform we use to upload, but we had a little bit of a glitch. So we're finally getting those up. So if you haven't caught the last couple episodes, check back, and those are definitely going to be there um, if they're not there already while you're listening to this. So um, we're going to jump into empathy today as our topic. Um, we, We teach empathy a lot at our school because it's one of the main things that we see kids struggling with. Mm-hmm. I think that the world that we live in today is kind of, uh, does not naturally teach empathy. And so it's something that you, we kind of have to be proactive about and really reach out. And, and so we wanted to share with you guys what, what empathy is mm-hmm. and why it's so important to teach empathy and maybe some ways that you can help your kids Uh, to learn empathy. It's such a critical, critical skill. So Mr. LD has studied empathy. He's, it's something that's super important. It's, it's important to both of us, but Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, I feel like he's our empathy expert (laughs) here at the school. So he's going to jump in and, and answer some of these questions for us. And, and then as always, if you have any uh, questions, if you have any follow-up, if you have anything that you want us to address as a result of hearing this podcast, please reach out because we're happy to address those in future future episodes yeah for sure and and definitely uh, this is one of my big passions it's it's probably one of the main reasons i became a school counselor you know i i love teaching this i'm always trying to grow my empathy as well and and just practice empathy in my life um and so yeah just kind of jumping in what is it and and often in our lessons we ask students what is empathy right and and they'll come up with un- answers similar to you know putting yourself in someone else's shoes which is which is very true and and very difficult right trying to see someone up from a, someone else's perspective and i and i also like the definition to kind of get a little deeper with that with parents um, contemporary researchers often differentiate between two types of empathy and so effective empathy refers to the sensations and feelings we get in response to others' emotions. So kind of mirroring, you know, and that's kind of what honestly happens from a very early age. It's kind of fun seeing our babies. And and Tana, you and I both have babies in our lives, right? You got your grandbaby and I got my baby Jack. And and it's so fun to kind of see, you know, just like silly games like peekaboo and things like that. It is very natural. It happens at such a young age. But that's kind of that effective empathy that um, we all naturally have to varying degrees, right? You know, there, there's definitely a range that naturally happens. Um, but then there's also the cognitive empathy. And this is the one that, you know, and, and you could develop both of them, but this is the one sometimes called perspective taking, where we refer to our, that's our ability to identify and understand other people's emotions. And that one is is one that we try to teach our students. And, and it comes with practice. I mean, it it, it is a skill, it's a struggle sometimes for mm-hmm. all of us, but but like I said, these these skills, this this ability is a natural, and and sometimes I I tell our students it's a superpower that we all have that we could we could kind of develop in in our lives, um, and and it is interesting, and maybe Tanya, maybe you could kind of add to this too. There is definitely a deficit that kind of happens sometimes with 
and we talk about this all the time with technology with yeah. with our students and yeah, yeah. and i mean if you just look on any kind of social media platform or anything like that i wouldn't say that facebook or youtube comment sections are a place that are full of empathy, right? <laughs> what, what are kind of your observations or thoughts no, on that? No, I think that's true. I think that we it doesn't really encourage or reinforce empathy, right? I think most of the people get likes from their, you know, mean comments mm-hmm. or the things that are a little bit more polarizing is what kind of gets the attention on social media. But another thought that I had about the technology part of it is, you know, the world has changed significantly in the last... 20 years. Mm-hmm. And before when kids were growing up, they had the opportunity to come to school, interact with each other, interact with family members, interact. And all of that kind of naturally led itself to um, teaching and practicing empathy. For sure. But now if you look at the patterns that kids participate in on their in their daily lives, um, they aren't interacting socially with a lot of different mm-hmm. kids. At least my kids, when I was, when I, they were growing up, you know, I would say, go outside and play with your friends. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, what friend, where are they? <laughs> Our friends aren't outside, right? They're all inside on video games or they're, um, they're doing things more independently. And so there weren't the opportunities to come together and practice opportunities for empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's what the challenge we face now is that we have to actually find ways to teach empathy mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, maybe it was something that kind of just naturally occurred or else it could occur through conflict or it could occur through, you know, uh, family discussions or, you know, with your siblings Mm -hmm. or whatever those things are. And now it's so common for a parent uh, to hand a baby, you know, stop fighting here, take your device, go sit down, go play, you know. I'm guilty of that for sure Well, and I think it seems natural because it is an immediate end to any kind of conflict, right? But really the more productive thing would be to say, let's work this out. Let's talk it through. Let's figure out how how would you feel if you were in that person's Mm -hmm. shoes? How would you feel if you were in their shoes and kind of come to a consensus about the point of view that, each one is seeing. And so I just, that's the part that I think we struggle with today. We just don't see that. And it's not technology's fault, Mm -hmm. but I, but it does make it a lot easier for us to kind of lean into that, lean into it. And and so I think we need to do that a little bit more. And it is, I mean, as is so many things, it is easier in the moment to Mm -hmm. do that, right. To say, well, let's get in your separate corners, get away. But, but the troubleshooting, the working through the conflict in the moment is more difficult, but reaps huge rewards down the road, right? right. I, I, I love that. I, yeah, why is this important? I mean, kind of the big things are mental health, right? Many of our students just struggle to connect with others. Relationships are important. Mm-hmm. Soft skills, you know, of, of college and career, you know, oh, if, yeah. you're, if you're not able to interact and have those kind of conflicts and work through them. Um, you're not going to be as successful, right? College and career, you know, environments. I and and one silly kind of a story, and I don't remember some comedian shared it, but they talked about how with phones and and technology, bullying is just so much worse. The cyberbullying, mm-hmm. right? Because kids before, if you you're face to face with someone, and you said, "Oh, you're so ugly," right? You know, or some silly whatever the mean comment. You could see their reaction. You could see the pain on their face. And because we all naturally have that empathy, that hits us on a different level than on a messenger or text or whatever, sending a message saying, 
you're so ugly and everybody hates you. You don't see that empathetic response. You don't get that negative emotion. Instead, so, you get like 50 likes. Exactly. From people or people laughing or whatever yeah, emojis. Where yeah. the face-to-face, we, we get that nonverbal communication. We see the pain and that resonates with us on some level, that empathetic response. So just especially sixth and seventh grade where kids are kind of figuring out all That's those true. kind of behaviors. Pushing boundaries. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And and. and Often that happens most in our home, but definitely here at, here at school as well. Right. Um, yeah, just speaking about college and career, um, I know you know my youngest is twenty one, and so a lot of uh, friends, a niece of mine, like a lot of people, have gone to college. And one of the things that I have seen just in my personal life is that they will go. And then they can't figure out how to navigate mm-hmm. roommates. They can't figure out how to navigate, you know, the the social interactions and stuff. And so they really end up just saying, "I'm not. I'm not yeah. going to do this. I'm going to do online school, or I'm mm-hmm. going to do something. You know, I'm going to put it off a few years or something." Mm-hmm. And I think really it comes back to the fact that they just haven't really learned a lot of the skills that, that it takes to empathize and to problem solve and to work those relationships out. So, so it's an interesting take. And I think, I think employers, you know, their bottom line is usually, um, you know, the, the money they're making, the work ethic they're getting. But I think that they would prefer to have empathetic employees mm-hmm. as well, because then you, you have employees who can relate to customers and you have employees who can relate to each other and can relate to you as a, as a supervisor. And For so sure. I think it, it, it only brings good things to you if yeah. you can master that skill. Yeah, and we kind of mentioned that in our um, resiliency lesson, you know, that mm-hmm. that's such a critical skill for, like, freshmen. The freshman retention rate in colleges is it's not great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. not great. And then year after year, and, and they cite, of course, math is a big problem. My dad's a math professor, and, you know, that the the head of the DSU is always getting after the math department saying, we got to figure out math. But the overarching thing that you just hear in colleges and universities all over is the resiliency. Mm-hmm. And empathy and resiliency go so hand in hand. Um, because like you said, I mean, exactly what you're saying, but two big things that I kind of wanted to highlight, the bigger perspective, right? So often when we have tough days, which we all do, we uh, when we have stress, which we all do, if we're not able to have that bigger perspective of seeing other people struggling and having similar mm-hmm. experiences, it's easy to feel like, oh my gosh, my life is the hardest <laughs> life there is. You know, I, I'm the dumbest one at college. I'm going to drop out, all my, everybody right. else. But being able to have empathy and see other people's perspective, it broadens our perspective and, and able, which definitely helps with that resiliency. And, and I love the idea of serving others is a way to serve yourself. I, I, mm-hmm. The Dalai Lama has a kind of idea that, you know, if you're going to, if you want to be happy, which we all do, at least be smart about it, you know, and then, and we know, you know, from personal experience and research and all this stuff that the number one way to be happy is to help others, Mm -hmm. to serve others. And, and, and so let's be smart about how we're happy. You know, so often we could just get stuck in these, our own little, you know, stress bubble. And one of the ways that we could break out of that is to help others. Right. Yeah, we get locked into this idea that in order to be happy, we have to be selfish almost. Mm-hmm. Like we have to look at after our own needs and we mm-hmm. have to look after our own wants and, what, and our own desires. But really all research has shown that the, the most effective way to come out of your problems and come out of the things that cause you stress in life is to 
look outside yourself mm-hmm. and look at others and Definitely. see where you can and and the best way to know who you can help and how how effective you can be is to empathize with others and put mm-hmm. yourself in their position and and ask yourself what would you do if you were in that situation try to help those people that's the kind of thing that brings you out of yourself mm-hmm. and and puts you in a place where you can truly be happy mm-hmm. yeah and it, and it is kind of interesting just while you were saying that we definitely have a handful of students in our school who get overloaded by their empathy, right? You could well, probably think. So it, it's, and maybe that's your child, that they are mm-hmm. so empathetic that they just get overwhelmed by their friend's sorrow, their family's tough stuff, stuff in the news. And, and so you as a parent know where your child's at. And, and obviously if your child's on that overly empathetic end, again, that's not a bad thing, but just helping them kind of learn and cope with that you, the skills and stress that that brings, you know, and it comes back to perspective. Mm-hmm, I think you have to mm-hmm. have kind of that overarching perspective. Don't zero in on the problems to the point where you're excluding all other. For things. sure, for sure. But put it in perspective and look mm-hmm. at it in the in the perspective of the larger world and their lives. And I think that can be really a, a good way to handle that overload of empathy (laughs) which we get that sometimes as counselors too right we we lean into that but yeah it's it's good to do the self-care as well and i how to teach these are just some ideas i I found on a couple of websites that i really liked i kind of cherry picked the ones that i liked but um and we try to do these as counselors but especially in the home i think i i think these could be useful with my own boys who are five and almost two But model empathy, of course, you know, and explicitly emphasize it, talk about it, ask questions. And this is just for them about their day. Part There's a huge correlation being able to recognize our own emotions and being able to recognize them in others. And, Mm -hmm. And so often students in sixth and seventh grade aren't super emotionally literate, right? Mm-hmm. You ask them how their day is and they just say good or bad, fun. right? Yeah, yeah, fun, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Dig a little deeper, right? And, and what was stressful about their day? What was awesome? What was fun? And, and dig into those feelings so they can recognize them themselves and then be able to see them in, in others as well. Yeah, I love that. I think that's super helpful. And and in one way as a parent, and this is super hard, As a, it's funny because as a counselor, I'm really good at this. But with my own boys, it's harder. But try to be non-judgmental and create a safe environment where your your child can talk about their emotions without feeling like you know they're going to be judged or in trouble for sharing, especially tough emotions, because those come up, especially at this age when they're figuring out who they are and what life's all about. Um, and like I said, I know as a parent and a counselor, it's easier in my role as a counselor to be non-judgmental than with my my five-year-old sharing his big emotions for a five-year-old and relative to a five-year-old it's easy to get frustrated with my own family <laughs> compared well, yeah and it's really true that is super true um my parent my kids will often say what you're a school counselor <laughs> like, oh, things are different but one of the things i thought about is you know that's where empathy can kind of help us as parents as well because if we if our child comes to us with a really hard problem or a really you know a big emotion and we can empathize with that a little bit yeah, and put yeah. ourselves in their situation. You know, it helps us to understand, like, what would we want in that moment? Like, do we want a parent who's going to be, you know, letting our own emotions take over and maybe, you know, react in for anger sure, or, sure. or in a way that's kind of negative? Or can we put ourselves in the place of our student and and see, like, what do I need to do right mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. to no, help that's, them? What's the most helpful? That's a great point. And, and I, I, I'm such an emotional guy, but just thinking about, mm-hmm. like, a bad 
parenting, which we all have from this weekend when my son was just driving me crazy with so many questions and being in his shoes, you know, I'm like, oh man, I could have done much better, (laughs) much better in that case. But it's hard in the moment, but just like with our students, we, this is a skill we always need to practice and kind of build up as well. Um, Another way you could demonstrate, you know, maybe with your own self, talk about people that you find different, right? Maybe it's a uh, coworker you who is just annoying or tough for you to work with. Or maybe, you know, you could talk about people with different viewpoints that you mm-hmm. don't agree with. And, and with your child, talk about those. Talk about commonalities you have. Because we all have things in common. Even yeah. though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, especially when you're on social media or Facebook or see those crazy comment sections. But we all have commonalities that yeah. we, we could build upon. And, and, and kind of modeling that and explicitly talking about that that with your children is, is critical. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, and, and, and the, you know, our common dialogue that happens in our country can be so toxic. And, yeah. and we could all use a dose of empathy and perspective taking in those situations. Right. Yeah. I often say that the solution's found somewhere in the middle. You know, you don't have this. You, you always have extremes and you can have extremes in emotion and you can have extremes in opinions. But really the truth and the answer is usually when you can compromise or mm-hmm. when you can see each other's point of view or when you can maybe not agree with the person, but you can at least see how they feel, why mm-hmm. they feel that way and why their their motivations are and stuff. And, and then you can see that, yeah, if I felt that way, I would mm-hmm. maybe have a similar point yeah. of view. And so you can, you find those bonds that because we all are you know, here on this planet, we're, mm. we're living the best life we can live and it doesn't do us any good to, to drive wedges. For we, sure. The empathy piece can really help us to find bridges, to connect to people that we just find maybe so foreign to our yeah. way of thinking, but we can always, I, I really believe this, we can always find a way to connect with them on some level. No, definitely. I mean, I could think of so many instances where maybe I don't necessarily do agree with someone's politics or worldview or something like that. But when you interact with them on a person to person basis, there's so much in common Mm -hmm. and and just good and about the relationships. And and again, instead of focusing on those differences, which we all have, even in our families, focusing on the good and the commonalities, I I, I think is so critical. Um, And going back to feelings, I, I think that's so important. Identifying feelings and self and maybe again, explicitly talking with your child about how you deal with tough emotions. You know, when you're stressed, what do you do to deal with that? When you're sad, when you're tired, when you're depressed, when you're, you know, what angry, what are your coping mechanisms? Because often, you know, we have the, the, that genetic commonality, but also just, you know, similar experiences that right. we could kind of share and, and help our student kind of work with. Yeah, just talking about those things gives the kids, like you said earlier, a vocabulary, right? Mm-hmm. An emotional vocabulary so that they can recognize those feelings and, and maybe take them to a dip, deeper level. I'm not just happy right now. I'm like thrilled. I'm ecstatic. Mm-hmm. I, you know, giving them some oh, of those words sure. that are a little bit more descriptive. Um, and I also, it can give them a library of tools to mm-hmm. help them to like, when I'm feeling this way, when I'm feeling sad, when I'm feeling, you know, uh, disappointed, mm-hmm. you know, what can I do? Yeah. And they learn that through that modeling mm-hmm. piece that we talked about too, like seeing you go through it as a parent and, and, you know, God, I'm so disappointed <laughs> right now because of what happened at work today, but I'm going to, I'm going to 
you know, put that out of my mind. I'm going to focus on you guys. Let's mm-hmm. go out and play. Let, you know, and, ha- and just have use those words so that kids can see that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Because yeah. we do it a lot of times, right? We do it, but we don't necessarily verbalize it or, or tell kids, like, this is what I'm doing yeah. right now. Yeah, and for so sure. It's important, I think, to have those conversations and and actually use the words so that kids can be like, "Oh my gosh, my mom and dad are are struggling right now, mm-hmm. but this, but they're they're working it out, and everything's mm-hmm. going to be okay." Yeah, and that's another one. See, another parenting fail. Sometimes my my five year old will be like, "Why do you sound so mad today?" You know, and <laughs> and again, he's expanding. Obviously, his five year old emotional vocabulary, but I'll be like. Well, and that helps me take a breath and say, well, I'm kind of frustrated with this. And then I'm able to kind of, you know, build on that. And and hopefully that's kind of modeling, you know, where and instead of just saying, you know, I had a bad day, you know, I, I, I could kind of build on it. And you don't need to get in the weeds, but, but obviously you respond to your student, their age and their temperament and all that. But I just couldn't kind of walk through, well, I'm frustrated. This is what's going on and I'm trying to work on it. And, yeah. and that kind of models that and you're able to have that conversation. But it, it so much just goes back to relationships. And I, and I always tell students relationships in my own experience are the very best things in our life but also the toughest things. Right. I mean, they're, they're our greatest source of happiness and joy and, and love and, and frustration and sadness and disappointment. But, but again, empathy is so intricate to all of that with, with relationships. And obviously, 11, 12, 13-year-olds, they're not going to be masters at relationships, at friendships, at family dynamics, any of that. But we're just helping them on this journey. And it's, it's, it's a fun one. It's an important one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we tell the kids all the time, and you guys all know this, but you learn from your mistakes. You know? mm-hmm. So if you, if you so handle much. something in a bad way one weekend, Jared, if you're, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're looking back on your so-called parent bells, which I don't even believe, but, but that's, you know, you think, okay, I didn't like the way that worked out, so I'm going to do a little bit better next time. And that's all any of us can do is just try to, to do a little bit better, try yeah. a little bit harder, and and we'll make progress eventually. For sure. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, so yeah, at, throughout all our conversation, future podcasts, you'll hear us talk about empathy a lot. And, and, and please do, you know, reach out and email us if you have tips or ideas that work for you in teaching empathy or in, in, in your own journey. You know, maybe going back to your middle school experience, Absolutely. what what worked for you then? Because famously, right, middle school is is rarely someone's peak time in life. So we're we're just kind of helping students through this age. But but empathy is a great tool that any middle school or intermediate school student could have in their tool set to kind of help them through this time period. I don't even want to think about my <laughs> I know, I know, exactly. But you know what? It's true. It's it's part it's an instrumental part of growing up. Mm-hmm. And the way you handle things in middle school set you on a path. And it's true. It's so great for kids to hear what their parents did and how they handled that. And <laughs> even though some of us like me might not want to go back and, and relive that. It's it's good. It's good. It's a good thing. All right, guys, thank you so much. Um, this is just a, kind of a really brief overview of empathy. But like Jared said, we'll, we'll touch on this often. You know, we come back. There's, there's two things that we come back to often. It's empathy and technology. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this in other contexts as well. But um, go, on, go on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please go and check us out. Um, share it with people. Uh, get on our website and, and email us and let us know what you're thinking and if there's anything you want us to follow up with. We are very, very grateful for you to listening. This is one of the ways we love 
building connections with our families at Loveridge, and we we want to continue to do that. And so we're gonna we're gonna keep on keeping on. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, and thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks.